Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. This is our very last team preview yeah. podcast. They go fast. Once they get going, all of a sudden it's gone. Kind of like a football season, I'm sad to say. Uh, our last three teams will be the Illinois Fighting Illini, the Indiana Hoosiers, and the Purdue Boilermakers. And if that wasn't a big enough reason to just be excited about things advancing and moving along, the Eyes on Big podcast is happy to announce our very first sponsor. And when you think about it, we couldn't have dreamed up a better sponsor in style and quality. The Amador Whiskey Company welcomes the Eyes on Big Podcast, or maybe I should say the Eyes on Big Podcast welcomes the Amador Whiskey Company. Boom! Official sponsor. Yes, certainly Eyes on Big welcomes Amador. This is a great, the start of a great partnership, I think, for I, many years to come. I mean, basically, uh, we mostly talk about bourbon drinking. Um but we also have talked a little bit about wine drinking. Well, we're going to get into details on the next podcast, but just a little teaser. This product will blend a little bit of bourbon with the wine, and we will explain that on the next podcast. Okay. So double barrel bourbon whiskey, that's the key. So, okay, I'll, I've let the cat out of the bag enough, but the first barrel is <laughs> your regular charred oak barrel. The finishing. For You're the talking last, about aging. It's aged correct, in, in three a, years in a charred oak, okay. oak, a charred oak barrel, and then nine to twelve months that it finishes up in a chardonnay oak barrel okay. to give it a nice sweet finish. Go ahead. So that's what this is. I'm that drinking is the, what this is. Right okay. Now. And, and for our eyes on big listeners, uh, and a special thank you to Brian, aka Vegas Sportsbook guy, who has helped bring this all together. Uh, I just had my first taste. I've had a couple tastes, to be honest with you. Okay. Big Kurt having his first taste live on the podcast right now. Yeah, this is my first taste. I've never had a bourbon like this that's mm. been aged in, in wine barrels. So here we go. Mm. First of all, I'm getting some Chardonnay notes there. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. It's a good. It's very smooth. Very smooth. But it's just a hint of the flavor, yes. which is good. I don't want a lot of it. I would only want a little, but okay, it's not overdone on the chart. That was no. my concern. Yeah. Was it be overdone? No. But you get a little bit of the, the nose mm -hmm, there. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll take a little sip too. And it does come through. I think so. But it's, I think it smooths it out a little bit. It's there, there's, but there's it's really subtle. no bite. There's no like harsh bite to it. it very smooth drinking whiskey. This is exciting. Yeah. I, I, I'm loving it Bourbon. already. Yeah. From the Amador whiskey. So we will have Brian potentially, we're hoping. On the next podcast to explain it a little bit better. Oh, well, Maybe that a little would... speci special guest direct from the sponsor. Even more exciting stuff. We're going to give the basic details now, but we also have had a sign made that Big Kurt just got to see for the first time. We will have this sign up. It's going to be in a, uh, a handsome carrying case, if you will, a, a presentation that's going to look a little bit like goalposts yeah. that'll be in the back of my pickup truck. And we're going to have that at tailgate spots in certain parts around the Big Ten footprint. The first place we will have it, the 
unveiling of this will be at the Nebraska-Illinois game in Champaign, yes. Illinois. Uh, we will be at Lot 45, yep. which is the southeast corner of 4th and Kirby. Yeah, and it's actually about a, a, a block east of there. So it's between the softball and the baseball fields. Fantastic. So, And by the way, the, the stadium's on 4th and Kirby. So it's, it's a short walk to the stadium. Awesome. So, again, we're going to give a couple more details with that on the next podcast. But if you're listening to this now, if you're a Nebraska-Illinois fan or any other fan that's going to be at the Nebraska-Illinois game on Saturday the 28th, a.k.a. Week 0, find Lot 45, find our sign. I will post it on uh, or on uh, uh, Twitter so that you can see what it looks like. The next time we will have it will be right here in town on Thursday. A few days later. Yeah, not that much. Five days later. uh, Which will be the Thursday opener, Ohio State at Minnesota. We will be in the Skyuma lot. Special thank you to new friends of the pod, Tyler and Ryan. And of course, Danimal is the glue that holds this all together. Got it all to work. Uh, They are part of the Row the Boat crew that will be in the Skyuma lot us and our sign will also be there again. Wait for details, but any local listeners on bo- in any of those areas, w- Kurt and I will be there, and we will be happy to meet you. Where are we gonna be week two, baby? Well, to be, TBD, <laughs> TBD. You never know where this thing's going. But thanks again to the Amador Whiskey Company. All right, that's the longest product drop that uh, most people have had. But hey, we're a little excited. That's okay, right? Yeah, and you know, I think the goal. From the start was to have a whiskey sponsor. I think it is. So it's always good when you meet your goals, right? Yeah. All right. So that will move us into a little bit of housekeeping. Yeah. We're, we're going to start with injuries. Now, I think we're going to do two lists this year. We're going to okay. do a dinged list and an injured list. Yeah. Probably the dinged list is more preseason. As the season goes on, yeah. everybody gets dinged. But for right now, yeah. ding. Injure. Okay. Okay. We'll okay. start I with like the it. ding list. All so right. Jalen Berger, Wisconsin running back. Dinged. <laughs> Iowa guard Kyler Shot. I think what I'm put, we're putting on the ding. He's a major ding. It's it's a it's a straight up injury. He's going to be out at least the first couple games. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a ding. I think. Like so, I'm thinking, so is it... injure is like you're you're probably out for the year. You're oh. Done. Okay. All right. We have different definitions of ding. Okay. Like okay. a ding you know, for me is we're holding out of practice for like. A week or so. Hmm. Okay. An injury means he's going to miss playing time. A major injury is missing the season. Okay. Okay. Kyler shot injured. (laughs) Glad we got that worked out. Okay. Offensive tackle for Ohio State. Thayer Munford and Sons. That's my first attempt at a Chris Berman right there. Thayer Munford dinged. Yep. Okay. Indiana running back. David Ellis also dinged. So those are some big ones right there. And that is... From what I can tell, that is ding encroaching into injury. I don't okay. think we know yet. All right, so now let's go to injuries. These these are obviously several games or even the whole season. Chris Altman Bell, you were there for the injury. Yeah. Right. That's a that's an injury. I tell you what, that's that also is a ding working into an injury. I think that's still T B D. Okay. It, well, it was originally thought to be a knee and very scary. Uh uh, I think it's more of an ankle. I saw him running around, not running around, like gimping around. It looked like to me he was favoring the ankle. Hmm. We don't know officially, but that's what it looks like. Well, that'd is. be a big one. That's an important one for the Gophers. These are two huge ones. Northwestern, running back Cam Porter. I mean, he was expected to be the bell cow out for the season. And this was announced by Pat Fitzgerald, who doesn't normally do that, I don't I know. think. Very strange. And yeah. Zachary Franks, offensive line, same thing. Sounds like out for the season. 
He's been very forthright with a lot of knowledge. Um, uh, by the way, Anthony Tyus, backup running back. I mean, he's going to have a much bigger role than probably Fitzy or any Northwestern fans thought he was going to have to do. But I think it's definitely something you have to consider when thinking about Northwestern this year. And then even crazier with the fortright of knowledge or of information that Fitzy was doing, he named Hunter Johnson well, yeah. the starting quarterback. I was shocked he did that, first of all. I was kind of surprised that Hunter won the battle. In fact, I started thinking the other day, is this just a smoke screen? <laughs> I think I think Fitzy's in your head a he's, little bit. Oh, right? Yes, he is. <laughs> I was thinking I was by myself at home yesterday and I'm walking around, I'm like, Hunter Johnson, wow. And then it hit me, I'm like, oh no, this he's just throwing us off the scent. It's a it's ruse. A, it's a ruse, baby. Um, but yeah, that was But you nailed it. It's surprising twofold. Number one, that he ever announced it. Typically, you just get you find out as the the first team offense walks out with Pat Fitzgerald. Uh, the, and then yeah, I mean, when we have seen Hunter Johnson play football, it has not looked smooth. But I want to say this: um, he has hung around. He didn't quit. He didn't transfer. Um, hard I don't to, think he even complained. I honestly like. And and for a a five star or a high four star whatever he was, I think he was a fiver. I think he was a fiver yeah, at yeah. Clemson, right? For him to not give up and go that route that so many people go today, you have to tip the hat to that kid. Absolutely, right? I'm yeah. not saying I'm going to go so far as to like openly cheer for him every week that he plays for a rival, but I hope this is a story that has a good ending for Hunter Jansen. How's that? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Sounds like a real team player. So speaking of, Cade McNamara, McNamara has been named the starter at Michigan. How about these crusty old coaches, two of them there, it is, listing off their starter It again. is weird. You don't have to do that. Do you think it's like a new wave thing? Um, khaki Pants is surrounded by a younger coaching staff now. Do you think they're the ones saying, mm. you know, it's time to get with the 2021s and uh, just name your starting quarterback? I don't know. I hadn't thought about that. I, I just feel like that has something to do with it. Maybe another thing is just instilling a little bit of confidence under with your yeah. kid to say, I'm going to give you now two, three weeks to get used to being the starting quarterback. So it sinks in a little bit. Maybe that helps a little bit. That makes sense to me. Yeah. I could see that being a thing. All right. So moving on, obviously got to talk about the Scott Frost allegations. Wait, we got one more quarterback. We do? One more quarterback. Uh, oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, before we get there. Okay, so this one's aged a little bit. It's a few days now. A little bit. But Jack Cohn was named the starting quarterback for Notre Dame, so he's going to be playing against his old team, against the Wisconsin Badgers. So, once again, Jack Cohn will be making plays for Wisconsin. Uh-oh, wow. Okay. Right? I, okay, it, by the way, I totally uh, botched his name. I called him Joel Stave once or twice, just – it just came off the top of my head. On I, the pod I, you did? Not on the pod, in oh. DMs and talking to buddies. I'm like, okay. did you see Joel Stav? It was named starting quarterback for Notre Dame, and I can't remember <laughs> who I was talking to. And he's like, what? What year is it again? Yeah, yeah. But anyways, point being is like, you know, rub your eyes a little tired when you wake up. They're kind of the same quarterback. but um, Yeah, but Cone doesn't have the yips. Well, okay. So Yet. Yet. Um, but I, I think it's fair to say – that Wisconsin fans and other Big Ten fans were not overly impressive with Jack Cohn at Wisconsin. No, but he improved a little bit. Like I gave him a lot of crap the first year of the podcast, but then he got he improved. That's true. He did get a little bit better, but still, to go to Notre Dame and win the quarterback battle, hands down, I don't know. It tells me they don't have a man. great 
quarterback room, I think. Right. Is what is that's what that's what I learned from Got that. It. All, All right. right. So moving on to Scott Frost then. Yeah. So Scott Frost and the Nebraska Cornhuskers being accused of unsanctioned workouts off campus during COVID when you weren't supposed to be working out. Also being accused of having the special teams analyst doing hands-on coaching, which is a big no-no. So this has obviously been in the news. Right. Um, I don't know. Your thoughts. I feel like the first thing I want to say is this. If this happened in the SEC, it would never see the light of day. No, it wouldn't. I mean, this wouldn't even. In fact, they I would giggle as they hit it. The other teams would be like, "Well, yeah, of course they're practicing. So are we." Like you're, you're not. Why, <laughs> why are you letting people know? You know. So obviously, the one part I'm getting at is the overall, in the grand scheme of 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 doing things illegally in college football, this is at the very low end of the scale. Oh, it's definitely on the lower end. I mean, I don't think it's as low as like. You texting when it's a dead period or something like that. That seems to me like the absolute lowest. I think it's a step up from that. Yeah. But it is, it's not, this is not a serious allegation. No, I mean, it's not going to be death to the program type no. of thing. I have seen people throwing out that it could potentially be a suspension or two. I would have I to see I wonder if it's like that. maybe scholarships, docked like three scholies or something like that. I don't know. I feel like that is but at you know the lower. What? The, the, the NCAA isn't even doing anything They're anymore. They're not. So I don't think I don't be... think really anything. Maybe maybe what happens is Nebraska says, OK, we're going to suspend you for a game, Scott Frost or something like that. And then that's it. And then the NCAA is like, eh, fine. Whatever. And that's what I've seen thrown out a couple times. So I think that has some validity to it. We'll see how it, it works out. We're, we're recording this on Thursday evening. So but what um, if that affected week zero? It could. We got. I mean, we got just over a week out for the game. Yeah. We'll have to see it develop. If we're going to hear about that, I would think we would. They would announce that pretty quick. Very we quickly would know by this weekend, I would think. But if you're so. going to impose sanctions, you want to do it right away, swiftly, so that decisively. Yeah. So that everybody can deal with it, it, adjust it, and move on as yeah. quick as possible. So I agree. Now, so I think we've gone to great lengths to say that it, you know this, as compared to most things, is pretty small. On the other side of it, though. Is the the deeper tinfoil hat stuff that I don't think is too tinfoil hatty, okay? And the reason I don't is because I heard Rick Neuheisel say this on Sirius XM radio today. Okay. So, and this was a thought I'd already had. I'd already shared it with, you know, in, in text messages and phone calls and whatnot. But this came internally is how this information got out. That okay. is what is generally considered to be the deal, okay? Well, then that would be that's maybe the biggest story then. It it if, is. If it came internally. If it if it Listen, leaked internally. In this day and age, we can't be 100% sure on any information no. that we receive, but I I am generally to believe in this instance that this got leaked internally, okay? So, who leaked it is always the first thing. So if and, I'm Scott and, Frost and why and why? Okay. So if I'm Scott Frost, I am, I am pissed because I'm wondering who has it out for me. Sure. Okay. Now, if it's internally, uh, you, one would think it's somebody within the athletic department. Okay. Um, and so then it t tends to get you into the Tennessee mode of things where they internally leak stuff to to submarine Pruitt to get him out. Yeah. And Pruitt was probably doing, not probably, definitely was doing 
much more illegal, horrible things. Oh, yeah. They wanted Pruitt out. So the SEC just proved his SEC-ness and outed him. Scott Frost has not done anything like that. My take on this is this is the best anybody inside the athletic department could come up with to try to submarine yeah. Scott Frost. And if that's the worst they can come up with, he's probably on the up and up for the most part. And, I would think so. Yeah. Okay. So um, the other side of it is, uh, okay, there was a, you know, another part of that report was that it it detailed how it was Scott Frost, who was the one that didn't want to play the Oklahoma game. Okay. And that Bill Moose was the one that put the foot down on it and said, no, we are playing the Oklahoma game. Very quickly after that, Bill Moose was ushered out of Lincoln and is done. Now, this was already known for sure about this illegal stuff. The investigation's been going on for quite some time. Is it really that hard to connect the dots that would say maybe Bill Moose would be the one that would throw that out there and let that information to be known? Yeah, okay. I don't do. Do you think that's crazy? It's not or? crazy. Okay. Uh, and then the other interesting part about it is, I mean, Trev Alberts is brand new at the job. Um, he is a virtuous man that is not not uh, a faint of heart when it comes to making tough decisions. I think he's a very intelligent dude. He stated that he did not know about these allegations until after he took the job. That is interesting to me as well because that's information that was not available, made available to him until after he got the job. Anyways, it's all very interesting stuff. It's It was the hot-button topic for at least 48 hours on Twitter with Big Ten football fans. I think we at least had to discuss it a little bit. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I don't think anything major is going to happen. No, but... Is it fair to say that there was already pressure on Scott Frost to win football games and it has somehow been ratcheted up even a touch more? That definitely stokes the flames a little bit. Okay, fair enough. All right, that gets us into our last segment of team previews. And hey, what better team to start it off with than the 2021 Illinois Fighting Illini? Special thanks to our insider, Big Kurt. And, you know, also another... Shout out to Tracy W. Illini Nation, a.k.a. T-Dub, very good fan, uh, friend of the podcast. We want to at least give him a shout out. So, Illinois, last five years, not great, Bob, 17 and 40. Last year, two and six, and it was crazy. You looked at uh, how it went. They lost three games, won two in the middle. Got, got you excited? Lost the last three games. Yeah. Kind of had a kind of had a down up down type of feeling. Had a little rough luck there with games two and three as well with with the COVID stuff and starting QB out, four string QB playing. So that does make a difference. It makes a little bit of a difference. So what happens when you when you have a a seventeen and forty record over the last five years, which I believe was how long Lovey was there, correct? Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, you fire your coach now. Now, and honestly, like is that what usually happens? I, typically, when you have a record that looks See, like that, um, yeah, but, we 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 need to be us Illini folks need to be educated in that realm there. <laughs> but but honestly, maybe actually that's a great thing to say because there were some people still fighting for Lovey to be the eh, coach. To not us. many. Not many. No, okay. I, I felt like there was. A little bit of blowback when Lovey got fired. Is that fair? Uh, I would say probably not. For not Illinois much. I, I think most people had just realized that he had, he had, he was mailing it in the yes. last couple of years. I mean, he was collecting a paycheck and mailing in the actual work part of it. 
which is a key part of building a program is the work part. Yeah. Of it. Um, so what do you do? You bring in a new coach and who do you bring in? Brett Bielma with br- growing up in Prophetstown, Illinois, played football at Iowa, coached at Iowa, coached at Wisconsin. I don't know if there's anybody that knows the Big Ten West landscape more than Beetle. And because of that, because of his obvious commitment right from the get-go of recruiting and actually, you know, doing his job, I believe the Belima, Belivama, is has swept most of Illini Nation. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, the, we have fans. They're out there. They want the program to be great. And they do get excited when something like this happens. And everybody's excited for the new coach, and they're behind him. And there was a ton of people, myself at least for two days, that was underwhelmed by the hire. And everybody has been won over by this guy. I think our guy Tracy was a little bit further than two or three days. Like, he was a couple weeks in. And then you just kind of you start yeah. seeing the, the worm turning a little bit. I mean, I actually saw someone post on in the chat room. I'll admit it. I was wrong. I didn't like this hire. Now I love the hire. How often do you see that? In a I was going to say, if anybody's admitting wrong with anything in a chat room, something monumental has happened. Speaking of something monumental, that's what we're going to need to improve some of these stats. Mm. We're going to run through here. So we'll start with the offense with the offense. Uh, first year offensive coordinator, obviously with Tony Peterson. What is he trying to improve on these numbers right here? Last year, total offense, 98th at just sort of 350 yards per game. Not bad enough for you. How about scoring offense at 111th per game at 20 points per game? I'll be honest with you, Big Kurt. I didn't think the numbers were going to look that bad when I started digging into them. I, it it didn't seem like their offense was, well, just that bad last year. I, get, I don't know. It didn't seem like it. I mean, at times it almost seemed competent to sometimes good. And I think probably it's because – like in the middle of the year, okay, even in some losses, uh, 24 points, uh, well, 14's not great, 23, 41, 21. There was moments of offense there, but bookending that, they only seven points to start the year versus Wisconsin and only 10 and 21 points at the end of the year versus Northwestern and Penn State, which were two good defenses. Penn State was, you know, kind of playing a lot better football at that time. Um, I don't know, like... It, it wasn't an offense that had, is it fair to say, much of an identity last year? Yeah, I, I guess that's fair. Although like, I, I think I, I, they wanted to run the ball, and they did run the ball f- fairly well last year. I would guess their identity was was running the ball, yes. Okay. I, it wasn't, wasn't without identity, I okay. don't think. With that being said, I, I believe it was a erroneous assumption by many people that in came Beetle and it was going to be Wisconsin 2.0. That's not exactly what we're looking at or what we think we're going to look at moving forward. Well, I, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. They didn't recruit to that type of offense. So I don't think you can just come out and try to road grade people and run them over. It's not going to work. We don't have that type of offensive line. It's more of a finesse offensive line. So I guess let's get into the offense. The good news is everyone comes back. The bad news is everyone comes back. Now, of course, you do lose Josh Ramatter Bebe. That's that was he was the both in talent and heart. We oh, loved him. Loved yeah. him. And I mean he's got that kind of David Bell, Ty Freifogel ability to just go up and grab a, a pass and and use his body to box out defense, uh, the the defense. So we're gonna lose that. But I think if I look at it overall, I think this can be a competent offense. Yes. Um, with good coaching. 
start of the quarterback position. Obviously, Brandon Peters is going to be the starter. Art Sikowski comes in to back him up. We know that Brandon has had problems with concussions. That scares the crap out of me. Now, most Big Ten fans are going to say, well, Art Sikowski was terrible at Rutgers. Yes, the, his first year, that was atrocious. But that also was... you got to look at coaching. I, well, it was coaching. It was everything, though. Like, they, they had an absolutely atrocious offensive line. There, nothing went right. Do you have to blame some of an Art? Absolutely. But he improved a lot. So I think he's a solid, capable backup. Obviously, you don't want Brandon to get injured. It would be a, a drop-off See, the there. funny the funny thing is I had made a note to talk about the concussion history of Brandon Peters. And, like, I haven't heard you whine and complain about it for quite some time. So I thought maybe you had forgotten about I it. I try but... not to mention it. To be honest with you, <laughs> don't speak it into existence. Type it's like, deal, but it's like talking to your pitcher when he's deep into no hitter. You very just, much. you just leave him alone. But I obviously, you know, not to make light of that. We want his brain to be healthy the whole football season. Uh, when he is healthy, I think he might be one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the big 10. I mean, he might be the thing about Brandon is he's, he's, he's still inconsistent. Like, he, he misses a throw here and there, but then he'll make a throw where you're like, oh, Lord, that is an NFL throw right there. NFL throw. That's what I was going to say. So, got to keep him healthy. I guess one— So, th- one way yeah. one way to keep him healthy is to have—we're surrounded by a good offensive line, right, yeah. for protection. Only three teams in the Big Ten had multiple players on the Outland list. Ohio State, Penn State, and— Illinois. Illinois. I mean, two guys on the Outland list with offensive tackle Verdarian Lowe and center Doug Kramer. Yep. As far as talking about weaknesses on the team, I don't think it's offensive line. I no. think it's the opposite. It, it's not. A, it, it is one of the strengths of the team. And also, you got it, uh, Alex Palcheski comes back on the right side at right tackle. He got injured last year, had an ACL. He appears to be 100% in practicing. They are giving him some some maintenance days off, but it looks like he's going to be back and starting week zero. And then you bring in some transfers to shore up the guards. So I think this will be at least a competent offensive line. Uh, in Athlon's unit ratings that I really like, I mean, they put as much work into trying to figure that out as anybody, right? They, they're ranked sixth. And when you, you know, factor in how good some of these offensive lines that we think are going to be sure. in the Big Ten, being in the top half of the Big Ten at six, that's a good offensive line. And pick six previews has them at eight, which is so somewhere right somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in there, yeah. Which I think is fair. Both of those are fair ratings. I, another fairly, I, I would call this a strength, is the running back room. Not necessarily, don't have the, the home run hitter, but they're deep in the running back room. The chases. Uh, you got the chases, Hayden and, and um, Brown. And Brown. Mike Epstein yeah. comes back. I mean, he's not going to get a ton. Of, I mean, he's been right. Another write him down on the 10 year plan team too. Holy and poor God. guy injured so much, like not very durable. He didn't put up the, the lifetime stats, but this is a really good all around player. And then Reggie love is going to get carries too. Okay. They so, got four guys that are going to get carries every game. As far as looking at a offense, right. That, that, you know, going into for prognosticators and whatnot, you're always going to start at the quarterback. Okay. Maybe not a home run, but we have got an experienced quarterback Mm -hmm. that can make throws. We talked about the offensive line. It's a good offensive line. Has a chance to be even better. Running backs, again, like you said, maybe not a home run hitter, but steady. So we've got a lot of things here that we're pointing at that are positive. Maybe the not as positive part of the team is the the last group that we haven't broke down yet. Yeah, so the wide receivers, big question mark. Wide receiver slash tight end. Uh, now, here's the good news. 
this would have been the absolute dead last ranked unit on the team six months ago. They have improved it so much since then. I'm not going to say it's in the top half, but they have improved the talent tremendously. Isaiah Williams, of course, moves from quarterback to wide receiver. From all accounts, everyone I read, he's supposed to start. Okay. And he's been looking great. Now, this is what I thought I heard. It, it was in passing with either something I listened to on a podcast or read. I don't know. He got offered by Alabama as a wide receiver. Yeah. Well, as an athlete. Yeah. Correct. Uh, that's something. That's something. <laughs> right? Yeah. And Jeremy Werner at Illini Acquire the other day just wrote, um, he's like, or maybe it was Joey Wagner, one of the two anyway. They were they were at practice and watching the wide receivers, and they said, ah, the wide receivers had a tough day, a bunch, bunch of drops. Well, except for Donnie Navarro and Isaiah Williams. They never drop anything. Okay. So, listen, co- football is the most complicated, simple sport that's ever been invented. Okay? <laughs> there are obviously nuances to the game that takes people their entire careers to try to figure out. On the other side... If you're faster and quicker and you got good hands, you're probably going to be a pretty good football player. Now, I haven't seen him catch the ball much. I'll I'll take the word from what what your source says. But I saw him moving around on the football field Mm. last year. He is silky smooth and quick. I'm serious. As a fan of a a team in the Big Ten West, not named Illinois, I am scared of this guy, and I think a lot of other people should do. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think if you're going to prove or uh, pick a breakout player, I think you have to go with Isaiah Williams Juice for, two, for the offense. Juice point oh. Casey Washington, who TP'd out to Wake Forest, TP'd back. I was sorry to lose him. He's back. So crazy. Adding those couple guys alone just shores up that that wide receiver group, and then tight ends. They've got like I don't know. 29 of them on scholarship right yeah. now because that's yeah. what Beetle does. But, of course, Daniel Barker, Luke Ford, look for them to have big years. They're going to utilize them a lot. A lot more. Absolutely. I, I mean, that is – as far as it being not exactly like the Wisconsin offense, I don't think it will be. But using the tight ends more, I expect that, which is very Wisconsin-like. Right. I mean – our guy Luke is yet to break out a little bit too. Is that fair to say? Oh, for sure. But man, did you see him in the spring game? Yeah, one-handed touchdown catch. He was catching things. So he, they didn't take advantage of that. He's you. You saw. Granted, it's a spring game. I get it. But you saw the talent. They're gonna use him this year. I think they will. Um, and I know you already brought up his name, but honestly, I think Danny Navarro is. I think he's on the underrated team yeah. as well. He's just one of those guys. He's reliable. Like he is. You you can count him for probably for thirty catches this year, and he doesn't get injured. He blocks well. He does it all. And Love guys like guys like that have a role on every single offense. He obviously will on, on this offense. I, I think this could actually be a competent offense overall. So, you know, I'm not going to hold you to this. We don't have to make a, a bet. We can't we can't bet on bourbon anymore because we, we're stock full of bourbon. It's all <laughs> free now for the rest of our lives, baby. <laughs> Isn't that what they guaranteed us? Like Kramer with the cafe lattes? <laughs> I'll have to talk. I'll have to talk to our sponsor. To yeah, see work on that. that. Um, but... Okay, 98th last year. We can expect to be 70s? What do you want to go? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would say let, let's put the over-under at 65 because that's about top half, right? Okay. Over okay. Un- I think they can do that. Okay. I would put them somewhere in that range. And it, I think the key to that is run the ball a little bit better, and then if they can just, you know, utilize a couple receiving threats that they have. Uh, here's another thing. Out. Maybe less penalties. Penalties. <laughs> less penalties help, too. Yeah. Gosh, we're going to miss Lovey. Ah, man. All right. I'm going to miss him. We're going to miss that sloppiness. We're going to miss those turnovers. (laughs) Speaking of turnovers, how about that for a lead into the defense? Okay. All right. Defensive numbers. 
I got to be honest with you. These also took me by surprise. 114th in the country last year. Remember, we, we were losing a couple teams off the back end. So when you're 114th, that's that's like more like 120th or something. 467 yards per game they gave up in the Big Ten West. I, 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 I love my Big Ten West, but it's not exactly stocked full with explosive offenses. <laughs> that is... I would not have guessed 467. That I mean, was his entire career at Illinois. He had trouble staying under that 500 yards per game line. <laughs> he really did. It was always creeping up in that range. You, you need to shoot higher than that, I think. A so, little bit. Uh, speaking of more stinky cheese, scoring defense, 97th, 35 points per game. Kind of what we broke down with the uh, uh, offense. There was moments of things looking good, but... 41 points to Minnesota, 41 points or uh, uh, 35 points to Iowa, 56 points to Penn State Ugh. to end the year. At some point, the wheels just kind of came off with both sides of the ball, and the defense definitely didn't get out of out of its own way. So, what do you look for on a defense? You look for somebody pretty steady or good on the D line. You look for somebody pretty steady or good at linebacker, and the same in the secondary. I think we've got that with yeah, the Illinois we, defense. We do have that. I guess the, the concern is the rest of it. This surprised me. Looking at pick six previews, they only returned 61% of their production on D, which is good for 93rd. They only lost Milo Eifler and Nate Hobbs. Yeah. Seems I, weird. That doesn't seem high enough, but... Sometimes I, I feel like I want to look into how they even compute that stuff. Well, we should talk oh, to Brett. I, yeah. I, in fact, I think I'm going to hit Brett up on that one. I want to know how he Ask came up that. with that That'd number. That would be a good question. Because to me, I feel like they have basically their defense returning almost. Good place to start, I think, is defensive end Owen Carney. So, like Owen, to me, so, they're, okay, they're switching from a four-man front to a three-man front. That's huge. That's going to be – that is a big concern Mostly to for fit me. in because the only group that maybe has more bodies in it than the tight ends is the linebackers. There's approximately 300 linebackers on roster. <laughs> it's, about three, it's about 300 now. Yeah. But my concern is Owen was a good hand-in-the-dirt defensive end. He was really de- developing into one. And now he's got to play a little bit in space. I'm not sure if he's the guy to do that. Hmm. I'm really not. Okay. I, like I, 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 what I would be curious – to ask a coach is what is easier to do? Go from a four, three to a three, four. I've always wondered that or a three, four to a four, three. My take is it would be easier to go to a four, three. I I feel like when you just have four guys with their hands in the dirt, they're kind of doing something more that they've been doing their whole lives in football. Like if they're a bigger dude, they've probably played something similar to that. So there's a little bit more transfer of knowledge right there. And at 3-4, now you have got at least one guy, but let's be honest, more than that, that are up and moving around and needing to pay attention to what's happening because you just don't have to do that quite as much when you're a down lineman. I don't know. That, to me, is concerning that switch right there. Yeah, he's got the body for it. I just don't know if he has the ability. We'll find out. Now, and I, other- I didn't mean to focus that. I didn't. That wasn't a focus for me all on Owen Carney. That, that's more... The whole front seven when I, okay, when I was so, talking about that, but go ahead. Let's talk about the front, like the the guys with the hands in the dirt. Three yep. guys. Roderick yep. Perry yep. comes back. This is an NFL guy. He's on NFL radars. I was kind of surprised he came back. Uh, he's going to be plugging the middle at nose guard. Really deep at nose. Okay. Calvin Avery behind him, four-star guy. This is a guy that the, the Lovey regime wanted to trim down to 
to 300 pounds. He's not a 300 pounder. He doesn't like eating salads. And he, he had made... a great interview in the uh, spring game thing. I thought he. I, I, no, I, that I... was Rod Perry. That was oh, Rod okay. Perry. All right. Okay. Yeah, that wasn't right. Cal. But if Calvin Avery had interviewed, that would have been entertaining. Okay. okay. I've seen interviews with this guy. He's hilarious. He was bitching incessantly about having to eat salads under the lovey regime. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, so Brett comes in. He goes, you don't need to lose any weight. 340's fine. We want you to plug in the middle. And if anybody should not lecture anybody on losing weight, it, it might be Beatle. Well, there's that. But uh, but also, he, he's not going to be asked to play 50 snaps. No. He's going to be asked to play 30 snaps. I mean, he's playing behind Perry, so he'll be fine. And they're going to ask him to just stay right where he's at when the ball snap. Right. That's his goal. That's his job. Correct. Yeah. And then also, they moved uh, Virtus Brown over from the offensive line, another four-star, to nose tag. They're super deep there, and I like the ends. I think this could be a serviceable front three. So, um, throwing out all the D linemen, you tell me if any of these guys are gone or whatever, but Owen Carney, senior, Roderick Perry, senior, Jamal Woods, senior, yep. Isaiah Gray, senior, Calvin Ari, uh, Avery, junior, yep. lots of experience. Oh, yeah. So, so that's a good place to start. So, again, I was shocked at that 61% yeah. back number. I just felt like this was basically now, the same defense. Now, obviously, defensive linemen don't stack up the stats as much, so that definitely Maybe that's what it is, and yeah. that's what I need to ask Brett about. So inside linebackers love this as well. Jake Hansen, I mean, captain of the 10-year plan team, right? Absolutely. Kalen Tolson, this guy was really coming on. Tariq Barnes was having a great year till he got injured. Uh, they bring in Calvin Hart Jr. from NC State. I love the inside linebackers, actually. Love. I, I love them. Okay. I've never seen you so excited or happy on any unit that's involved with Illinois. That's Well, let's swing see. back the other direction because the defensive backs scare the crap out of me. I like the cornerbacks. The two starting cornerbacks, really good and proven after that. Really, Tony Adams at free safety. I mean, a little Tony Adams going to play corner. Okay, Adams is going to play corner. corner. Okay, Devin Witherspoon's going to play corner. Okay, uh, safety scare me. They did bring in Eddie Smith, transfer from Alabama. Hopefully, that guy plays into the safety thing. Sidney Brown had an off year last year. I'm not sure what's going on with him. To be honest, you look at his career. He he's had probably more kind of, you know, not so good games versus good games. Even though he he was on the Big Ten, I don't know if it's third team or honorable mention in 2019. Um. Safety is going to be scary. Yeah. We'll see what happens there. But I think it's fair to say that... And depth at cornerback. Oh, okay. Woof. So depth, depth, an issue on the outside. Fair enough. Yeah, Cornerback sure. and yeah. wide receivers on I the mean, other side of the ball. After the two corners, you're, get, you're going to a fifth-year guy who's never played and then a walk-on okay. who just got a scholarship. With that being said, okay, you seem to be pretty happy with the defensive line. Yes. Rotation. Upperclassmen. Yeah. Very happy with the linebackers. Corners, you feel good. Safeties, not so much. But again, like we're doing pretty good. And all these guys are upperclassmen. Why was the defense so bad last Well, year? so if you remember going back to last year's preview, I was fairly bullish on the Alina. Not that I was thinking they were going to compete for the West, but I had them finishing, I guess, four and four on the eight-team schedule because there's just so much experience. So I don't want to get caught in that again this year. Just, oh, well, they're old. They're going to be serviceable. And it's a new scheme, too. That's That's got to play into it. Definitely. They're learning a new scheme. Definitely. So Definitely. I'm, I'm, not, I'm more confident with the offense than the defense, for sure. Well, anyways, I was trying to set you up to say that I think I see some talent on this team right now. And why didn't it click last year? I think it's the reason why we have a new coach this year. Now watch take. the defense is like 25th in the country and the offense is 125th. <laughs> 
you never know how that stuff works out. But anyways, hey, let's talk another special teams. Bingo. I mean, I don't want to steal your thunder, Saul, but I mean, we've got one of the best punters in the nation on your football team. And the kicker's not too shabby not either. Not too shabby either. And have you heard about the long snapper? Yeah. Ethan Tabell. He's one of the is best. Is that our there. first long snapper mentioned on the pod? I'm telling you, this trio is the best specialist trio in the Big Ten. Prove okay. me wrong. Okay. Um, I think there's a couple that'll that'll scratch the surface. But prove me very, wrong. I can't I can't prove you wrong right now, but you know, there's a couple teams that so, I think are gonna be. By the way, this goes along with the Illinois Athletic Department overall being kind of country club university. That's kind of what we're known. We're good at golf, tennis, gymnastics, things like that. We're good at special teams, baby. <laughs> it, works out, it works out perfectly. Um, nothing against your kicker or any kicker, but, uh, and, and you know, when your team is punting, that's bad, right? That's not the goal of the offense. The goal of the Don't offense. Don't tell that to Lou Tepper. Okay. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is like, with all these Aussie punters coming in, yeah, punting is has never been as as fun to watch as it is right now because there Absolutely are things agree. that Blake Hayes has done where you're like, how did he do that? His, his, it's his, fun to watch. His foot has wizardry. It, <laughs> it has does. fitzy wizardry. I, Iowa's punter's foot's got wizardry in it too. Absolutely, it's insane. Okay, anyway, so that'll break down the whole team. Good job, Kurt. I was pretty much just there to assist. Let's get into. The schedule, um, not the the hardest schedule in the world, but this is not an an easy schedule. Over from the east, you get Maryland and Rutgers. That's pretty good start right there for yeah. who you get from the east. Also, Penn State, who we think is going to look a lot better this year. Then, who do you have on the non-con? This to me is where it gets kind of interesting when I look at these schedules for the first time. I do a little bit. Uh, more of a, uh, a deep dive. Not much to learn with the Charlotte 49ers. I mean, I 100% expect that to be a win, but Virginia is going to be a pretty tough team, and UTSA is pretty much the definition of hell because it's a team yeah. on paper that looks like you should win by three touchdowns, yeah. but a deeper look shows that UTSA is actually a pretty tough team. No, they're going to be a spicy G5 team to play. I do think Illinois pulls that game out, but I don't think it's going to be pretty. No, I don't. I mean, I looking at it from an Illini's fan point of view, a little bit of pucker, a little bit of pucker factor. A little pucker, n- zero pucker for Charlotte, though. Zero pucker That's for an Charlotte. absolutely atrocious football team. Um now, another reason that there's a pucker factor for UTSA is because it's the week after the home opener. Um, this is, this has, I know that the first game of the Lovey Smith era was a big deal. Now, as memory serves me, it wasn't during week zero, was it? It was just no. during week one. First game coaching for Beetle, a home game, week zero, not only week zero, the first college football game played in the year of 2021 yeah. for this season. And the premier game of Week Zero. In front of a live crowd. Dude, I mean, the whole country is going to be watching that game. And we're going to be there. And we're going to be there. Buddy. With our Amador whiskey. Correct. And Sponsorship in the parking and lot. lot big fans. Lot 45. Anyways, dude, this is a huge game. Huge. 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 Now, I will say this. It's a bigger game that Nebraska would lose it than Illinois. Like when it's the first game of the year, if they lost the game, meaning the Illini, 
the, the, the season's not over. Illinois playing stretch. with house money right there. But if they win, it's house oh, money. Huge. I mean, it's it's gigantic. Yeah. So biggest game of the year, what do you got? Okay, so my I'm going to do my biggest and scariest together. Okay. Because it's kind of a two-part thing. Maryland and Purdue together are the biggest and scariest. Okay. Because if you let's say you lose to Maryland, that's scary. The rest of the the rest of the season's gonna be just tough, right? Okay. But it's also the biggest game. Yes. Because if you win that, and so you got Mar- these are two winnable games back to back, Maryland and at Purdue. Okay. And those are opportunities to start really hot. Let's say you beat Nebraska, even if you don't beat Nebraska, beat Utsa, who knows what you're gonna do at Virginia, but. Those two games right there, biggest and scariest to me. I, I makes a lot of sense. Because, I mean, they're both not predicted to finish high. All right. So it's scary in that sense. Okay. Um, I see what you're saying. I, I'm not going to sit here and fight you on it. You're the Illini fan. But I'm just, what I've kind of started doing with these picking the biggest, scariest, and, and curb stop games is trying to set the scene on what happens if it's like this then it would be the biggest game or then this would be the curve stop game. Okay. So work with me here. Okay. I think it's fair to say that expecting Illinois to go eight and four in Bielma's first year is a little unrealistic. That's literally more than double of the win total, which we'll get here. That's not going to happen. Okay. Okay. But it's not unfair to say that there's going to be peaks and valleys throughout the year. Fair enough. Sure. Okay. Maybe you're not exactly fighting for a bull victory, but maybe you're fighting for something positive to end the year on. Okay. If you beat Northwestern yes. at the end of the year, where maybe that gets you to three wins or four wins. Let's say it gets you to four. Finishing the year at four wins where the team looked more confident, competent and confident, but you got the Northwestern monkey off your back in Beatles first year to say we can do it. I, I love it. But I just can't ever even think about things like that. I can because yes, I'm not in a line I fan. Or you. Because there's two things going on there. <laughs> That's my biggest game of the year. Scariest game, yeah. I already kind of alluded to it. Dude, UTSA. Because not only is yeah. it scary because there's a potential of you beat Nebraska, you you your emotional roller coaster goes down, you lose to UTSA. Or you lose to Nebraska. Then you get beat by UTSA. Then suddenly you're looking at the schedule and you're saying, oh, gosh, where are these wins going to come from? Right. I think that one is, to me, hands down, the Fair. scariest game of the year. Uh, for the curb stomp game, I've kind of gone around and around. I mean, obviously the most, uh, the one you would think about the most is Charlotte. But, you know, having starting the year out with three of your first games at home, um, I think there's the potential that, coming back from the road, maybe on a high after beating Virginia to come home. You've kind of got things figured out a little bit. Is it really hard to think that you could beat Maryland 31 to 13? No. In fact, I'm going to go back to the same thing with, with biggest and scariest Maryland and Purdue. You got it. Okay. Here, let me point one thing out for a listener, a new listener, a Maryland listener, right? Helen, a shell at Helen, a shell, something like that. You, we have to pick a curb stomp game. Do I think Illinois is going to curb stomp a Big Ten opponent? No, but if they're going to do it, it's going to be Maryland or Purdue. You would think. I don't know who else. So I'm going to go at Purdue okay. is the curb stomp. Because yeah. 
Illinois. I mean, I looked at Purdue, but it's on the road. Hard for me to think. You know, a little bit tougher. Illinois curb stomped him a couple years ago. Yeah. Lost with the fourth fourth string quarterback last year. Beat is going to try to run the ball. Yeah. They they're adverse to anything running when it comes to running. They don't like it. So that's my pick. I I, I can see it. Um, I'm trying to look up uh, our new friend, our, our Maryland listener. Um, boy, he sure. And by the way. Locks Mafia. That's what it is. Locks Mafia. Locks Mafia, but he's at Hell in a Shell. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. Actually, that's a pretty catchy Twitter. It is. I, I like that. Um, and he's spicy. <laughs> we love our spicy followers. Anyways, it was good to finally get a reaction from a Maryland fan. Finally. It was nice. It took us three and I years. Kinda, there's a, a little part of me that feels bad for how low I stooped on the Maryland breakdown. But anyways, it, it kind of worked. The general thought process of why but it, everything we said was correct. I agree. He, he didn't say anything that like we were completely wrong about. No. In fact, he used parts to talk about how good Maryland is going to be. And we're like, we talked about that. Yeah. We, we, t- we mentioned that. that. We mentioned that. We mentioned But that. probably comparing his head coach to my kid potty training is probably, a, I probably didn't need to go that low. Yeah. Or his belly to a spheroid. <laughs> Probably not necessary. All right. Back to the Illinois fighting line. I, yeah. Over under set at three and a half. I will say this. Okay. The first time I saw that number, I'm like, that is ridiculously low. Um, I started looking through the schedule and I came to more of an understanding why the desert people settled mm-hmm. at, at three and a half. Um, but ultimately, I, I, I know... <laughs> I probably already know what your answer is going to be before I ask it, but realistically, okay, Nebraska, UTSA, Virginia, Maryland, Purdue, Charlotte, okay? Yep. They could start 6-0. I mean, they could. It's not impossible. Okay. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. But then they could also lose the next six games, which, by the way, Ron Zook did one year. (laughs) Okay. You went went six up, six down? Yeah. Oh, nice. That's what got him fired. (laughs) Um, But But but, he benches a lot. Okay. So... With that being said, this is how I basically broke it down. Okay. It's hard to predict more than one win in the back in the last six games mm. to, to, to say they're going to win more than one game. Well, I don't know about that. You got Rutgers and you talked about Northwestern. Okay. I could see two wins on the back end of the schedule. Okay. If yeah. so, you think you can get me two on the back end, would if you would set that over that win total at one, because I think one and a half would be a little high, right? One. Yeah. Well, set, you'd have to set at one. Okay. So I need three wins to get over, right? I know we're going to get okay. one against Charlotte. So if you give me the one on the back yep. to Charlotte, that's two. I need to get two wins versus Purdue, Maryland, Virginia, UTSA, and Nebraska. I think we can get there. I think I'm, so, too. I'm going over. I'm going over. Now, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to hammer the over, but given the opportunity, I'm going to bet the over on this one. I'm not going to hammer anything on Illinois because I've learned from you to not do that. And and I'll be honest with you, I've I've gotten snook, snick by that a couple times. So I'm ninety percent of the time in my life, I've hammered the under on Illinois. Okay, there's a little always reverse psychology going on there. I will say this though, if they win that Nebraska game, they're going over. Okay, they're going over four wins. Absolutely. If they lose the Nebraska game and the UTS game, oh, they're they're under. Up, pucker up. Absolutely. But isn't that how crazy it is? Yeah. And one and one, you're still. You're still on the line, right? That's how close, dude. This whole betting isn't that, thing is. Isn't that insane? Yeah. I just think it, I just I find know. it very interesting. So basically, we find out by September four <laughs> if they're going <laughs> over or under, or <laughs> and you can pretty much hedge or just bet against it at okay. that point. So. I need to bet on this one. <laughs> All right, that is your 2021 Illinois Fighting Illini.
All right, that brings us to our second-to-last team, the 2021 Indiana Hoosiers. Shout-out to Alex Davis at HoosierAl111. When I DM'd with Alex to get a little info, Alex was ready for some football, man. He was fired up to talk some Hoosier football. Always ready to download as much information as possible. (laughs) Like, there was a couple times where I had to be like, Dude, you gotta slow down. Like yeah. I'm trying to kind of, you know, take notes and just and, give me and, the give me the important stuff. The top twenty percent. Keep the bottom eighty percent. Oh man. But hey, Al, or Alex, I just want to make sure uh you understand we uh very much appreciate it. Anyways. Great um, dude, and also welcome at the downstairs athletic club. Anytime, anytime. Yeah. All right. So uh last five years, thirty and twenty seven, which is interesting because remember they were always like Five and seven. Yeah. Five, and then they, you know, like they flipped it. They, they did flip they flipped it. it for real. They flipped it. So uh, the high, I mean, it's it's definitely last year. I mean, it, it was a good year in 2019 as well. I mean, they went to a bowl game, but last year, the the six and two record, uh, definitely uh, a huge moment. The 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 Penix reach to start the year. Um, Close games. So you could wins. call you could call it a Penix extension. <laughs> it was very much, very much that, and it and it scored a lot of points in many uh, uh, Hoosier fans' hearts. Uh, and wh- who gets a lot of the credit for the turnaround? Obviously, Tom Allen going into his fifth year in Bloomington. Uh, you might not find a fan base that is loves their head coach as much as Indiana does Tom Allen. I don't know that there's any non-Illini coach I like more than Tom Allen. Yeah, there's. I don't know if that that feeling is shared by everybody. No, it's not shared by everybody. Because when you have success, you start to grab the ire of opposing uh, fan bases, and Tom's done that a little bit because he's he's won some games, man. He's pissed some people off. That you should be proud of that if you're a Hoosier fan. He's a crazy bastard, and I love him. Very entertaining, And, and I think I've said this before. I just there's nobody currently coaching in the Big Ten that I hate. There just isn't. Let me think. No. Yeah. No. There's some guys that I maybe don't think are fantastic coaches, but sure. I don't dislike them. No, I guess that's a good point. I don't hate yeah. anybody. Right. Now, with that being said, I understand why some people hate a couple other coaches. I just find them most, mostly entertaining. I don't know. Okay. So this is what I keep thinking about with the Indiana Hoosiers. Okay. Um, I hate to do it to you, Hoosier fans. I know who you play the first week of the year. Just let me work through this. But I think back again to... Coach Ferentz coming to Iowa, okay? Uh, first, when he got there, not so great. A little bit better the next year, Little, a much better the year after that. Then in his fourth year, which was 2002, they had a huge breakthrough. Awesome season. Iowa fans still talk about the 2002 season to this day. What I then remembered was going into the 2003 season, everybody's like, well, that was nice, Iowa. You were a nice story. Now you go back to not being as good. That was right. what the general thought process sure. was. 10 games won in 2003, even more games won in 2004. Basically, was 2003 Coach, that when they played Georgia Tech? Uh, no, two, no, that was way later. Um, oh, okay. 2003 is when they butt munch Florida and they, uh, and after getting uh, trash talked. Oh, but, yeah, that was a good one. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think it was Outback Bowl. Uh, but point I'm trying to make is you you see where I'm trying to get here is like, there was that moment and it seems like a lot of college football historians just think that a team is going to regress back to the mean. Sure. What do we have here in Indiana? I'm not saying I know one way or the other, but that to me is the intriguing part of Indiana. Can they 
keep this going or do they come back to reality a I little like bit this. or a lot? I like this because I think I have a lot to say about this. And again, I'm not saying I know. I just find this one of the most intriguing teams in the Big Ten right from week one. But then when we, once we get to the schedule, working through this entire schedule, it is going to be very interesting to see how they do. So we will start on the offense. They kind of got a dual offensive coordinator with Grant Hurd. But I think the name that most people point to for calling the plays is Nick Sheridan. Returning starters eight from the offense last year. Again, these are some of these stats. You see them, and they just they just blow your mind. Total offense for Indiana last year, 94th. I know. I want to talk about that. 360 yards per game. Scoring offense, though, very much better. 59th at But 20, still not great no, compared to the record. No, per game is, is not fantastic. We'll get to the defense later because obviously that plays in. But, okay, so I'm not the only person recording a podcast right now that was shocked when you saw these numbers. I was shocked, and Pick 6 Previews goes into it pretty deep. Does a great job. Fantastic. Analyzing their offense from last year. So, here's the thing. They scored a lot of points off of turnovers, which was forced by their defense. Okay, Uh, I I wasn't going to bring it up yet, but yes. Correct. I don't know what else to bring. I mean, I just feel like it's... and, And those things, they pretty much, they usually flip. Like, if you do really well one year... You usually do not so well the next year. Is that fair to say? That is, de- I mean, statistically speaking, I don't think you can argue against that. Now, sometimes I feel like teams can can get a little puffy chesty with that and say, "Yeah, but we're forcing turnovers pretty consistently." Yeah, I think you can say that. Versus for a Tom Allen defense, like they obviously that's something that they, they that okay, they want to do. We're getting a little little ahead of ourselves, right. but they also lose Jamar Johnson. Okay. So, that was a big, it was a turnover loss. machine. Yeah. And again, we're, we're, but what we're obviously trying to set up here is the setup, which is what their defense gave to their offense. That's where a ton of their points came from last year. Correct. So if I believe if you're going to stay up in that eight, nine, 10 win, cause that's pretty much what it would have computed out to. If the, sure. if the thing would have, you know, if they would have had the non-conference right. games, they would have been around nine, 10 wins last year, which obviously would have been a great year. If they're going to get there, I, it is my personal opinion that they can't live on turnovers alone. They have got to be a more consistent offense. No doubt. And I think that comes down to the offensive line. Bingo. You Go ahead. Well, okay. They just – here's – okay. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read an excerpt from Pick 6 Previews. Go for it. About the offensive line. This is Brett Ciancia, Pick 6 Previews. In my opponent-adjusted per-play percentiles, Indiana placed 11th out of the 14 Big Ten offenses – and just 52 out of the 66 Power 5 programs. The root cause is that the offensive line hasn't developed as quickly as the rest of the program. Specifically, the line's run-push is a limiting factor. Out of 127 FBS lines last year he's talking about, Indiana's yards per carry is 116th. On first down, 124th. They have got to do better running the football. There's no doubt. And... I don't want to get Alex in too much trouble with any uh, buddies or other Hoosier fans on Twitter, but 100% agrees with us. Alex agrees with us. Oh, I know he does. Is like, the tackles are pretty good. They're, not, they're solid. If yes, not darn course. good. And I'll say this much. Pretty much the whole offensive line is good in pass pro. The tackles may be even better yeah. than good in pass pro. 
But something I learned, I'm sorry, Hoosier fans, I don't mean to do it to you again, but something I learned two, three years ago with an Iowa offensive line, when you are poo-poo up the middle, suddenly that left guard that nobody, hardly any fan base right. can name their starting guard, you start to notice him. That is what we saw out of Indiana, except it wasn't as bad in pass pro, but there is no push up the middle for the running game. And I wonder if that comes back to Samson James transferring. Does, See, that, does that play into it? Yeah. I tell you what, I, with these last two teams that we're going to talk about, because there's going to be some well, things Well, here. that's okay. a good point, okay. though. Hold on. Okay, but, right, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But, but what I have really... There's always a little nuance that you pick up with this sport every now and then, where it just makes you think about things a little bit differently, right? One of the things I've spent a lot of time thinking about is how special running backs can make average offensive lines look really good. Okay. What my question is, and I don't know the answer, is there some sort of combination of maybe the running back play hasn't been that good to help the offensive line out or not? I think in this case, it is more the offensive no, line. No, I think it's the okay. offensive line. Okay. I, th- I think they've had a pretty healthy stable of running backs in time Allen's time. Okay. Not, you know... Not game-breaking, making defensive coordinators stay up at night, but good running back. Stevie Scott, love the guy. Good. Not great. Good. He was a load. Good running back. Liked him. Now, what happens if we take one of those running backs out? Because right now, it is going to be a committee. uh, From what Alex told me, it looks like Tim Baldwin is going to be the lion's share starter after that, Stephen Carr and David Ellis. And David Ellis is, is dinged. dinged. He's on the ding list. But Stephen Carr, former five-star running back, but didn't play like a five-star running back. Now he's rejuvenated, but he's been injured his Very whole much. career. And then who was the running back that we were trying to lean on? It was Samson James. Dude, it's... I'm sorry, Hoosier fans. I don't mean to start on the negative side of stuff, but that's the stats that board out to us is the uh, the total stats. And then you, of course, go to the rushing stats, 114th in the country Eesh. last year. In the Big Ten, only 108.6 yards. Now, let's try to flip it to stuff that's a little bit more positive, okay? Okay. Uh, I did a uh, a. I'm I'm not big into fantasy. I got I got dragged into a college football fantasy. Oh, you did! I've never done that. Yeah, I've never done. I'll let you know how it goes. But my thought process was I actually have tried to lean on Indiana pass catchers because my thought process is I don't know if they're going to run the ball much, which means they're just going to be forcing the ball down the field, which means pass catchers are going to have a lot of chance to catch a lot of balls. So I tell you, state of Indiana is going to lead the country in passing yards. And not so much on rushing yards. And they're going to be dead last in rushing yards. Could be. That's a, that is kind of interesting. The uh, little bit of Spider-Man meme there. But man, we have got some pass catchers. Ty Fry Fogle and tight end Peyton Hendershot, dude. The that is that's a fantastic one-two punch, right? Yeah, there. but Peyton needs to make a comeback here. Yeah, kind of quiet last year. DJ Matthews comes in to play the slot from FSU, and behind them they get a couple four stars and a bunch of other really. Guys, they're really high on. This is a great wide receiver room. Matt Bjornson, another tight end that's going to catch a lot of balls. Interesting that you bring up DJ Matthews. Alex wanted us to mention him. He felt like that was the kind of an X factor 
missing in the offense last year that you actually, because the offense was actually better in 2019 than it was in 2020. Yes. So I wonder if getting DJ Matthews into that role is actually maybe one of those sneaky, bigger deals than people are realizing. Look for him to be a huge player for the Hoosiers this year. And it sounds like the staff loves him so far. I believe so. Yeah. All right, let's make Hoosier fans feel a little bit better here, okay? Because now we're going to talk about the defense. Just Tommy A's specialty. Dude, I don't know what's more impressive about this defense. The starters or the depth? It's incredible. Well, brought in a bunch of transfers. To just add depth. All Power 5 transfers. For real. By the way, what's what's with all the SEC transfers into the Big Ten? Have you noticed how many? Oh, I've noticed that. It's incredible. It's weird. It's almost like every team has one. Um. The one thing I would say is we start on the defensive line. It's a bit of a no-name group, okay? I think that's fair to say. Uh, Defensive end, James Head, maybe somebody, uh, a name that people know. Defensive tackle, C.O. Nofo. I'm just going to kind of shorten that one down a little bit. Uh, D.K. Bonham. And then they bring in Ryder Anderson as a transfer. So I don't think any of these names are necessarily names that pop off the screen, but... The defensive line must be pretty good because these numbers are pretty good. Total defense last year, 36, 352 yards per game. Scoring defense, also pretty good, 45th, only uh, 24.4 points per game. Rushing, 5th in the Big Ten, 34th nationally. I mean, overall, this was a very good defense. So Indiana traditionally likes to bring the rush from beyond the front four. So hopefully some of these guys – actually are bringing it from the front front four. They, they just don't have that. They haven't had that in years past. So that would be something that, like, those numbers are good, right? When you're 36 in the country in total defense, that's good. To get them into that top area where yeah. you're 15th, 20th, or somewhere around yeah. there, it's pass rush. Yeah. I, it's, it's the only thing on this defense that doesn't get, like, an A, a I, B plus or A to, to A. I uh, mean, yeah, I would say it's, it's on the cusp, right? That's it. That's the only thing this defense is 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 a fair is, is a is a stellar a uh, stellar pass rush. Something that can help out with that is the linebackers. I think these are the best linebackers in the Big Ten. In the Big Ten, dude. Okay, Micah McFadden. Well, I he's up there. Cam Jones is good. Cam Jones is fit. Marcelino McCrary ball, by the way. I don't know if you noticed, but but is he, he a linebacker? That. Is he yes. defensive back? We don't know. I I I think he's going We're to call him linebacker because this is a they're going to commit almost completely to the four two five type of deal. So he will play that that position. James Miller is also excellent. Adding so we got the I was kind of thinking. By the way, Ball is a sixth year guy. He is also on the ten year yeah. plan team. We got I mean, there's a lot of ten year plan guys this year. This will be the greatest ten year plan team of all time because of all of the course. super seniors. Uh, but yeah, I was thinking maybe with the two linebackers MMC and MMCB with Micah McFadden and Marcelino McCrary ball um anyways long story short not only are they good on paper they're good on your tv screen too you gotta prepare for these linebackers because they're gonna make plays yeah mike mcfadden may have been the best linebacker last year in the big 10 in the big 10 he's in the team picture yeah for sure and i freaking love these defensive backs are are the defensive backs better than the linebackers i i I, I I want to say i want to say this i I maybe let my Hawkeye colored glasses get to me a little bit too much, breaking down Iowa's back seven, which is fantastic. I don't know. Indiana's is 
either as good or maybe a touch better. I mean the the corner the corner mostly because I mean, dude, Taiwan Mullen could have went pro last year. Best best returning cornerback in the Big Ten. Yes, uh, hands down. And by the way, Reese Taylor gets no love, and that guy yeah. is fantastic. Yep, uh, uh, Alex really likes Reese Taylor. Jalen Williams. Jalen Williams, now very good. Uh, uh, Devon Williams, who uh, he wanted me to point out, his nickname is Monster, so we can call him Monster the rest of the year if we want. Little bit of question marks at the other safety spot. They kind of got two guys that are rotating in. Long story short. If you're going to hit big plays on the Hoosiers this year, it's going to be an impressive thing to see because this is a, a really good, really good back seven. It is, but I, the, the one concern I have is Jamar Johnson leaving. Who's going to make those plays? Sometimes you see on defenses or offenses, whatever, that one guy that you noticed. It's not like you didn't notice him making the plays, but you didn't realize how big of a role he played on the team until he's gone, so that's something to keep your eyes on. Uh, special teams. Pretty good kicker in Charles Campbell. By, Charles Campbell. By the way, you know how we got all these uh, Aussie punters coming in? How about one from New Zealand, baby? They're thinking out of the box here. Get a Look, Kiwi. If, get if a Kiwi Aussie is good, Kiwi must be better. We will see. I love um, it. So, but but Ron, little bit of question marks. I think it's fair to say. But at this point, any of these Aussie and, and New Zealand guys that come in. You, you just have instant confidence with them. But, but then course. again, we've never seen New Zealand before. So that could be completely We have different not thing. seen New Zealand. It's a completely different island. And how does he get off the island, by we the do, way, we, yeah, right we now? Don't know that. I'm not real sure. Uh, and then kick returner James Ellis. Okay. So um, on to the defense, or excuse me, on to the schedule. So they got their uh, idle week kind of right where you want it. They got five games to start the year idle, and then seven game kick at the end. Maybe could go a little bit later. Um, starting the year off versus Iowa on the road, it's, they're a ranked team. I think it's the first time in, I, I don't know how many years where they've started the year off ranked. I can tell you right now that Hoosier fans are going to want to keep that ranked number by their, their, their team name for a long time. I got to think they're looking at that Iowa game as a very important game. Um, and then it's kind of an on-again, off-again thing with their schedule. I think Penn State's was kind of like that, too. At Iowa, then you get Idaho. Then Cincinnati, then at Western Kentucky. But at, at Western Penn- Kentucky. Dude. That's weird. Okay. And then it's Michigan State, Ohio State, Maryland, Michigan, Rutgers, Minnesota, Purdue. Wow, it's, you're that, right, it's dude. It's just like ebbs and it looks like It's EKG. like every other week. Dude, it's like an EKG. I uh, hadn't chart. noticed that. I know. Thanks, first thing thanks I was for pointing like, that out. First thing I noticed. So we'll see if that kind of plays in. But, yeah, dude, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, Idaho, they they, they suck balls. So we're not really worried about that for, for Indiana. But, dude. Whenever you put Cincinnati on the schedule oh. five, six, seven years ago, whatever it was, you didn't expect Luke Fickle to get them into a like a virtual chance at being a college football playoff right. contender. Right. Insane. Um, and boy, going on the road right after that game and before Penn State to to play the Hilltoppers, I don't know how that gets so scheduled. strange. That should be well, a home game. Well, who who schedules that? That should be question. a home game. I, it makes no sense. That's so, you schedule that, I guess. When that's going to you're play hurting in, for opponents or something like. I right, play well, into my my dude, picks big, and then you I, and then and then you get in. They get from the other side, as we already talked about uh, Iowa. They get Minnesota and Purdue because obviously Purdue's their rival. So very very interesting schedule 
not easy. Not easy schedule at all. What do you got for just pick one and go with it? Biggest game, easy one at Iowa. First okay. one of the year. Really? Got to win that one to have a good season. I don't I don't doubt you with that. Okay, like because if you start out with a ranked win on the road like that, I mean, I think Kinnick's, you know, got enough respect that people will think that's a great win. To me... And they always play Iowa well. Yeah, well, I don't know about that, but... Um, oh, really? There's a, I mean, there's a lot of close games, but okay. look the last time they played. It wasn't that close. Okay. Okay. Fair. So, um, to me, the biggest stoke the fire, little Indiana-Iowa rivalry right there. Um, to me, the biggest game of the year at Penn State. You beat Penn State last year. Yeah. If you can beat Penn State again, because I mean, it's, a lot it's of people, are, a lot of people are pointing to he was down. That wasn't a touchdown. Sure, it's the Rona year. It was goofy. Indiana actually had that game lost, and and Penn State, you know, grabbed loss of uh, lost from the jaws of victory. But if you beat him this year for the second sure. year in a row, that to me is has the potential okay. going into an idle week. But that that's mine right there. All right. Scariest game of the year, dude. Pick them. I, I mean, I got I, at Western Kentucky. I got to ask for at Western Kentucky. Too. That's so stupid. I, dude, Fred Glass. What were you thinking? Would that would have that predated Fred Glass? It might have predated. Okay. I'm not sure. But Cincinnati. I mean, almost for sure. I don't know who Cincinnati. I don't think they played Notre Dame yet. I could be wrong. You but, could lose to Cincinnati. That's fine. Yeah. But you but that's can't. not gonna that's not gonna help the going on the road at Western Kentucky at that. But what point. I'm saying, no, you can't lose at Western Kentucky. Is my point. Totally understand. What I'm saying is, win or lose the Cincinnati game, I think there's going to be a big game letdown going into the Western Kentucky game before okay. you look at Penn State the sure. next week. This is a sandwich trap game to the nth degree. Absolutely. Another one to look at though. Also, after playing Ohio State, okay. If they are, mm. maybe they don't beat Ohio State, but maybe they're still having a year where they're really mm. good. And then at Maryland, before you go on the road to Michigan, I don't know. That's kind of a trappy, scary game as well. Curb stomp game. If they're doing pretty well, this there's a reason this could be a curb stomp game. If they're not doing as well as they want and they want to take out some frustration, how about after an idle week playing Michigan State at home? That's what I, I got. I mean, I feel like it's the the odds-on favorite. Same Z's. Okay. All right. Over-under for Indiana set at a, a very well-put eight wins. Yeah. and here, So here's what I got. Um, you got the first two Big Ten games at Iowa, at Penn State. Those are going to be tough. Maybe you – Pull off one of those, but both of those, are you kidding me? Cincinnati non-conference at Western Kentucky. So I'm just looking at what's more likely, nine or seven. And to me, seven is more likely. It is. I mean, I, I feel bad. I mean, I feel like we kind of trashed the Hoosiers here a little bit more than than I wanted to. I very much like almost, I, I like almost every part of this team. Almost every part of this team. Yeah, we got to work like. on that offensive line. Otherwise. The O-line the the rushing attack scares me. Special teams a little bit too, but... That mixed in with when I look at the probable loss to probable win thing. Okay, I'm not going to talk about the probable win things because you the probable the only probable loss to me is Ohio State. Okay, but after that, the jump ball games are Michigan. I know, but I still think Michigan is a jump ball game. Minnesota, yeah. Iowa, Cincinnati, and Penn State. 
And I'm not listing sure. Purdue here, but that's but a rivalry should, game on the road. You have to list Purdue. So if you're going to give me Purdue, that is one, two, three, four, five, six jump ball games. That's an under. With a, a loss. It's a big time under. I'm sorry, but I if Indiana goes, it hits that eight or goes over, Tom Allen should keep the Coach of the Year award because he will have deserved it at that well, point. Well, and I would even say if you go seven and five, that can be a solid season. I agree with that schedule. Yes. Tough schedule. All right, that's your, two, that's your 2021 Indiana Hoosiers. Hashtag Leo. All right, last team of the year. Are, I love doing these deep dives. It's crazy how fast they go. Um, but good signs, right? When you're on your last team, that means we're that much closer to live foosball, correct? We are nine days away. Dude, it's getting from close. From actual football. And we will be there in person. Oh, man. All right. This is the 2021 Purdue Boilermaker. Shout out to Greg McManus at Greg MCLNK for some insider info. Jeff Brom, like Tom, going into his fifth year, last five years, 22 and 34. The high still being that seven and six year of 2017. Last year, two and four started out with two big wins and then dropped four in a row after that to lead to, I think it's fair to say, some grumpy Purdue fans at that point? Yeah, grumpy, maybe tuned out Purdue tuned fans. Tuned out. That is a way better way of putting it. I think it. so. Like Jeff Brom, and it was it's interesting because what Greg had kind of said was, I think it was Greg, there needs to be some excitement in some capacity interjected back into this football program. Yes. In, in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I mean, it fell off pretty quick after the first couple of years. Because... The first part of the Brom tenure, the first two years, that that's what it was, it was known for, was, was exciting great. crap happening, Absolutely. right? So, I don't know. We'll see if we can get that this year. Looking at these stats uh, from last year, starting on the offense, offensive coordinator, Brian Brom. But Brian Brom. But we really know who it is. I think we know that uh, Brian Brom tends to look over his shoulder to big brother Jeff Brom to call the play. So, last year, huh. Total offense, 70th, 390 yards per game. Not bad, but I don't know, a little bit touchdown than what you think it would be. And then scoring offense, 73rd at 27 points per game. All right, so here's what I think about when I look at the offense. Um, I would say overall consistency, and maybe we have a theme here, but can a brother get a running game going? Because well, that is where the lack of consistency. Hey, so far, a brother cannot get a running game going. He but, has he has neither one of the brothers. The Brown brothers have been able I mean, to get it going. Last two years, last in the Big Ten in rush yards per game. Last two. Last two years. Last. So last year, 14th, 124th in the country, 81.5 yards per game. I mean, this is, to me, this is what you need to focus on as as per, at, at Purdue. Can you run the ball? You yeah. have to run the ball. Yeah. You can you you can't throw the ball 64% of the time and expect to win the Big 10 West. Any any division in the Big 10 or just any team in the Big 10, I'm not saying you have to be the top two or three teams in the country to run the ball, but you can the balance has got to be the balance has got to be there. But here's what's crazy to me. Okay. Do you think Xander Horvath is a pretty good running back? Yeah, I think he's like an overall solid running. Like okay. He, because he's he, he can run the ball, but he can also catch the ball. I mean, 
there were times where he surprised me, you, and a lot of people. Yes. When you would look back and be like, that was a pretty good game out of Xander. Horvath. Well, I remember two years ago thinking, oh, if that's your guy, are you kidding me? Okay. But then last year, very good. Okay. King Daru, again, kind of the same thing. Not, not, not going to jump off your TV screen, yeah. but he's got its moments. So I guess what I'm getting at is switching then to the offensive line. There's a lot of experience, guard, center, guard. Um, you know, tackles could be better. This is where maybe I'm thinking, like, how much better would this running attack look? And therefore, how much better would the O-line look if they did have a difference maker? Like a really solid, quick, you know, possibly getting drafted on Sunday's running back. Who could that difference maker be? I don't know. I don't know either. Okay. Samson, Samson James, oh. maybe? Sorry, could that there. be Sorry. him? You laid out the the uh, the invite for me, and I didn't accept it. Um, huh? You think? Well, okay. So maybe we should talk about the division of carries between the running backs: Daru, Horvath, Sampson. Who gets the most carries here? The one who produces the most, obviously, is right. The but answer. but let's predict it right now. I still think Horvath will get the lion's share, but I think so too. If Sansom Janes can provide a spark. He's going to definitely take carries away from King Daru. And actually, he would probably take carries away from Xander Horvath. You bring up a, a really good point. I mean, and, but are we 100% sure that he's cleared all the things he needs to clear to be able to play? I guess I maybe like, I'm not. I feel like that's something that's still out there. So I know that's where we went with Indiana. These two teams are rivals. They're in the same state. I, I, they it seem is... so similar, right? <laughs> well, okay, <laughs> except for the defense. Actually, I would say there's some parts on the offense that don't seem as similar either. So um, uh, Greg thinks that that Jack Plummer is the odds-on favorite to be the starting okay. quarterback. Okay. Um, over you got a nice quarterback room here. With Aiden O'Connell, yeah. Well, Aiden O'Connell, Jack Plummer, Austin Burton, the transfer from UCLA, Michael Lamo is yeah. the four-star guy, the young guy coming in. So Who, who apparently know. has been turning heads. I don't know. I don't know who's going to play quarterback here. Here's Here's this. I don't know who's going to play quarterback either. Whoever plays quarterback, stick with him. Do you think that could have something to do with the lack of consistency on offense? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Right? Like, yep. if you keep jerking your quarterback around, if he knows he's going to get jerked around. I mean, Jeff Brown has forgotten more about coaching quarterbacks and football in general than I can, but I don't know. That's something for me to point out. Now, something very positive on this team to look at is their wide receiver crew. Oh. Okay, I'm going to say David Bell. <laughs> that always sends shivers down my spine. But David Bell, everybody knows. Milton Wright yep. is good. Fantastic. Tight end Payne Dur- Durham Love him. is good. Payne At- Bull Durham. We're, we're calling him Bull, Bull? Durham. Okay, Absolutely. I like it. There's not a much better one, two, three combo for wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end than what we just named right I think there. that's fair, but they're kind of unproven after that point. Okay, Jackson Anthrop, though, I kind of like yeah. him, yeah, right? he's solid. Yeah. Okay. okay. Now, I would say somebody opposite of David Bell that could take pressure off of David Bell or make plays. I mean, I think, you know, again, Milton Wright's good, Jackson Anthrop's good, but could we look at one of the freshmen that they have on the roster that they've now gotten in the last two years? Could one of these guys step up and Probably. be one of the big deal? Um, Frosh Marcellus Moore. I think he's been on, I think this is his second fall. That Plainfield, Illinois, I believe. Of course. And then true freshman Deion Burks, true freshman Preston Terrell. These were high 
recruits. I mean, these were the stars of the class, or one of these right. guys is going to pop this year. Maybe that's what it needs to get very the offense. Very Indiana-like here. Yes, very Indiana-like. Well, I think one big difference between Purdue and Indiana uh, would be the other side of the football. So we got the defense we're going to talk about here. In the very goofy, made a lot. I mean, this is essentially the only headline we saw out of Purdue this year is the fact that they have three defensive coordinators. Um, Mark Hagan at the D-line, Brad Lambert focusing on the linebackers, and Ron English as the DBs. I'll say this. Color me intrigued because if you are that concerned about the defense, which you should be if you're Jeff Brom, I guess you bring in three dudes that have a focus on each on each level. I guess so. It's it's the weirdest thing in the world. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, Ron English is a big name in of the college, he fo- is. college football world. Uh, and Brad Lambert, who I think is generally considered the defensive coordinator, I believe he's going to be calling the plays. He had a really good defense at Marshall the last couple of years. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be interesting and to I, see. I like Ron English, but anyway, are they so they were playing a three-man front. Yeah. Now they're moving to kind of a four-man front. It's a 4-3. I mean, I think it's pretty much that's that's what uh Brad Lambert wants to wants to run. Okay, but is it like a kind of a four or a three-man in the dirt and a fourth like a 4-3 standing three up? is what you're saying. Because I'm I can't figure that out. I can't Everything either. I read, I can't figure it out. Okay. I don't know either. I guess I didn't get too deep. I thought the way I was reading through the tea leaves, this is your basic four guys, hands in the dirt, three linebackers so, type of deal. Okay, so if that's the case, then your transition, that's a huge transition, right? Right. So it's a big that, deal. that's a problem. So that means, okay, third year in a row, or say second year in a row, change in scheme. And now... The only thing that can help out with the with the change in scheme is is better players. I don't know if I'm exactly seeing that here, but here here is what I would say. There is more experience here and reasons to believe it could be solid than I thought. Now, not elite, okay? okay. Like if they can get into the I mean, what's crazy is last year's defensive numbers, by the way. I, again, you would think these were flip. Total defense 56. Oh my gosh, that's not bad at all. Scoring defense, sixty seventh. Way to go, Boilermakers! It it wasn't that bad. Like not that bad at all. So, but can it? But I believe that they were they busted. They busted when you couldn't bust. That was where the change right. came from. Right. Um, defensive line, Demarcus Mitchell, pretty good defensive end. Needs to be more disruptive in the passing game. I think the weakness of the defense right now is up the middle with the defensive tackles. I'm not saying they yeah. are void of talent or production on the de- on right in the center. I, I don't know. It's got to look better than that. Yeah, though. but good news. Brought in four Power Five transfers. Crazy. So just uh, shuffling bodies. In who, there. who knows what they're going to look like? I mean, I guess that's that's the one thing you can look to. Maybe that's going to shore it up. And it sounds like Mark Hagan has done some good work in the past shoring up defensive lines. So we'll see there. Um, linebackers. Here's another one. Uh, Auburn transfer OC brothers, another, another nominee for Great the name. all name team. And then we got the, we got another example of two guys with the same first name or whatever last name. I don't know if you know us. We've had a ton of those, but we got Jalen and Jalen, Jalen Alexander and Jalen Graham so guys, must be brothers. N- no, um, a lot of experience there. Purdue fans probably know them, but these aren't guys that pop off the screen or that you remember 
any of these front seven guys when you watch a Purdue game. Is that fair? I think that's fair. And I think they need to be in order for this to be a better defense. Who's somebody that can help out with that? Yanni Karlaftis. Yes. Now, of course. The four-star from West Lafayette. And, of course, we have skipped over George Karlaftis at defensive end. He's such a stalwart that, like, I forgot to bring him up right at the beginning because – Everybody knows George Galaftis is on that defensive line. He's amazing. Total stud. Absolutely. And, and if going to be in the NFL next year. Absolutely will be. And if you want to talk about a benefit, I believe, to me, the position that benefits the most from a 4-3 defensive front. No doubt. Defensive ends. Absolutely. So could George Karlaftis be even better? Absolutely. And I think he's better in a 4-3 front than a 3-4. I For sure. think he, he is straight up a 4-3 defensive end. No me. doubt. So maybe that get, helps. So DeMar- maybe it, he's a, an hellacious pass rusher that, this year. And I think he's pretty. Have, I think he's pretty good against the run he's, too. He's well, an all. He's good against that too. He's an all around defensive end. So maybe that unlocks Demarcus Mitchell on the other side a little bit. Maybe it unlocks his brother Yanni. How does one brother get to be named George and the other brother get to be named Yanni? Well, what would you prefer, George or Yanni? I think I'd go George. I would go George. Yeah, but of course, big Greek family. So obviously, that means a lot to me. Being you know, <laughs> okay, but okay. George is a good name. George is a great name. I love the name. George but, is a great person to go into business with. But what if your name was George? Yeah. Would you be okay with that? <laughs> I will I will pull George people and see if I can get back to you on that. I don't think I'd be okay with it. I like George. Personally. I mean, I love the name George. I just don't think I'd be okay with my name being George. Eyes on Big Podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. <laughs> All right. Defensive backs. Uh, I think we got a really good defensive back and quarterback, Corey Trice. Corey well, Trice. Trice. There's one. Yeah. But honestly, Mackey at the other cornerback. Yeah, he's solid. He's good, okay. too. Good point. So, again, not horrible. Now, the safeties, um, Cam, Cam Allen looked decent. A little bit more lacking depth there, lacking depth in the corners. So, if there's any kind of injuries here. But I guess what I'm saying is you look at the D-line, there's something there. You look at the linebackers, there's definitely something there. There's some decent there. I think we can kind of maybe correlate this with the Illini defense. Like Very there's similar, a little yes. bit at each level. Very similar. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, neither one of them great, yeah. but something at each level. Uh, special teams really quickly. Brand new kicker that doesn't usually spell well. I mean, you want to see a kicker kicking. The- but he's another Dellinger. And then they got another, we got another Aussie punter coming in. We're, we're, we're almost there. Uh, okay, getting into the schedule, like many schedules, they've got five games to start the year, then their idle week, and a seven-game kick after that. Um, also, somewhat similar to the um, to the uh, uh, Indiana is that they've got a really tough non-conference game. Okay, then they've got a questionable road game. How in the heck does their AD sign up for that? And then, you know, I think they do pretty good for their uh um uh who they get from the other uh side i mean i don't know about that they get ohio state and obviously indiana is a rivalry game then michigan state uh on the other side i i probably misspoke there it could have been a little bit easier i just kind of forget about indiana because it's a it's a uh rivalry rivalry game it kind of almost feels like it's a, a division game so um and then yeah starting the year off uh uh with oregon state i wish that was like a friday game you know what I mean? I wish yeah. that I wish that was oh, absolutely. like so because that it's going to be a tough game to get a ton of eyeballs on for a lot of people. Yep. But 
dude, I mean, Pac-12 versus Big Ten. I don't know. That's a really interesting game to me. And then at Notre Dame, they will will trounce UConn. But I'm just saying two road games out of your first three, that's just not great. That's not a – with the third one? No, not great, Bob. Okay. So what do you got for biggest game of the year? Okay, biggest game. I'm going with at Northwestern. Yeah? Because you're fighting for a bowl. At that point. Yeah. You think they'll be fighting for a bowl at that point. I mean, they could be fighting for a bowl at that point. Interesting that you went with at Northwestern. Interesting also that it's the week after being on the road at Ohio State. For me, we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. This this team needs an interjection of excitement to get things going. It's kind of a weird pick, I know, but it, like you very easily could go Indiana. It's a rivalry game, right? Of course. I- I'm going Oregon State to start the year. Really? They need excitement to get going. All right. That's fair. To, to start out scariest game of the year. I, I think this is a no brainer to me, but you go ahead. I mean, it's not at UConn. You're not saying that. No, it's not at UConn. I'm going to Oregon state. Cause they really lose, they lose, lose that one. Oh, good. Okay. Lord. Who so can that, we, that gives who can little, we, who can we beat? That gives a little bit more credence to that being the biggest game of the year. Right. A little bit. Okay. Is it, is it implausible to think they would lose the Oregon state game? No. Okay. I don't think they're going to lose at UConn. No. All right probably very much going to be an underdog at Notre Dame. For sure. Plausible that they would start the year one and two. Then playing Illinois, if they lose that game to start the year out one and three, that that like is it. that is a like disastrous it. start to the year. So Illinois is either going to catch Purdue, a, a hungry Purdue, or a gripping Purdue at that point. I don't know. That, that could wind up being a really interesting game. All right, that brings us to our last over-under, which is set at five for Purdue. Okay, looking at the schedule, definitely think they're going to beat UConn, okay? That's a win. I have a hard time believing that they're going to beat Notre Dame or Ohio State, okay? I'm going to go ahead and chalk those up for losses. Here is what's crazy. I honestly believe every other game on their schedule, you could throw up as a jump ball. Okay, now one of them being really close to a probable loss is Wisconsin. Okay, you know what? Let's just do that. Let's do three probable losses, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Wisconsin. One win, okay, that we're going to say. So that gets them to to one and three. Oregon State, Illinois, Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska, Michigan State, Northwestern, Indiana, because it's a rivalry. Those are all jump ball games, correct? Yeah. But in those games... They have got to have a winning record to get to the five. Right. Huge question mark. I mean, I'm not exactly sure where this five number is coming from. Maybe even four and a half, I could understand, but I think it should be closer to four. This is an under for me. Under for me as well. Like, maybe not quite as confident as I was a week or two ago, but somebody, there's a little foreshadowing here, Somebody's not going eight and four in the Big West. <laughs> right. Somebody's going to have a losing record. Right. I don't know. At some point, you gotta you gotta make a guess. Big time under for me as well. All right. Anything else you want to add? No, Kurt? sir. We're kind of losing steam here at the end of the pod. <laughs> Big Kurt, very much enjoying the Amador Bourbon. All right. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I am Big Kurt. <laughs> this is the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.